G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Thursday, we'd like to check in with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is Family Voice State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, a special welcome back to 2020. Oh, good good morning, Neil. Delighted to be with you, as usual. <laughs> Greg, you've been doing a lot of travelling around the countryside lately. A couple of weeks ago, you were in the Red Centre and at Uluru. Today, you're travelling and close to Albury. What are you doing on this trip? Yeah, yeah Neil, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what um, a New South Wales sort of bit of a sojourn here, trying to catch up with some churches and trying to... Uh, extend the influence of what we do here at Family Voice. So I'm catching up with a lot of churches, uh, organisations, and uh, don't forget New South Wales is a big state, Neil. Mm. It is a big state. I don't know whether you follow the football, but a few disappointed New South Welsh people today after losing the state of origin last night. And uh, I say that because we're going to talk about the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the flag controversy because oftentimes whoever wins the state of origin, there's a little bit of a playoff between the premiers uh, and uh, who puts flags up on on bridges and uh, what sort of coloured lights are shining on bri- bridges. The bridge is actually pretty important and the Sydney Harbour Bridge is a pretty important one. Oh, absolutely. Now, I really don't want to talk about the football now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so disappointed. I think that the suggestions come through on my email while I'm travelling, that maybe the, the the Queensland flag will have to replace the Aboriginal flag. Which is really going to cause some headaches, Neil. So. All right. <laughs> but, uh, it's an interesting topic, Neil, because I'm really concerned about this. And, you know, all hilarity aside, you know, it's amazing when you've got an election coming up on 25th of March next year, how politicians, some who claim to be Christian, and I'm sure they are, but it's just interesting, Neil, that, how quickly we're, we're ready to forego our, our faith or our, our Christian beliefs, our ethos, uh, for the sake of popularity. And that's what's really happened here in New South Wales. Now, Dominic Perrottet, a lovely man, Christian Catholic, uh, really committed, I, I suspect, to, to his faith, but really the compromise by giving the, you know, the, the view that uh, the Aboriginal flag is more important than the New South Wales flag it really is playing into the hand of wokeism. It really is compromising your own beliefs. And, uh, you know, I, I, look at, uh, I look at some biblical verses now that really tells us that humanity was created in the image of God, you know, Genesis 1.27. Then I also came across this 1 John 3, 2, you know, we are all children of God, Neil. Then, to, to most of all, I was looking at Romans 2.11, where, all humanity is to be judged. So it doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Aboriginal or, or, you know, European, we're all going to be judged. So why are we compromising, Neil, our Christian faith, our beliefs, our ethos, for the sake of wokeism? It really worries me, Neil. Uh, What are you getting at here, Greg? Is it the thought that if you have uh, an Aboriginal flag flying alongside the Australian flag, that that actually does 
create what so many are concerned about, a divided nation, divided by race. Uh, the New South Wales flag was the other flag that was flying on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Uh, was that, mm. in fact, uh, saying that all people in New South Wales are united under that one flag as a state and then together we're all united under one flag as a nation? And uh, so is there a divisiveness that's creeping in here? Well, it's not a divisive, Neil. I think it's also confusing. I mean, if you've got an Aboriginal flag flying in New South Wales... Now, look, I've got to tell you, and you know this... I've worked with the Aboriginal community for two or three years. I had some Indigenous staff reporting to me over 17. I created a youth Indigenous uh, uh, network. I worked with lovely Christian Indigenous people. And I'm just back from the outback where I worked with Indigenous persons. It's not about them. It's about the fact that we're trying to let go of our, of our identity and we're more concerned about trying to look good in the eyes of the woke community rather than letting people know that we are all under the New South Wales flag. I don't care if the Aboriginal flag is flying up there, that we may as well have the Ukrainian flag flying up there. You know, the you know the the the, the, the various other religious flag flying up there. What I mean, what's happening? We are all New South Wales people or all Queenslanders or whatever the case may be. So let's not give in to a new minority for the sake of trying to take a higher moral ground, which it really isn't a higher moral ground. It's rather wokeism at its best now. Okay, a, a representation of wokeism creeping in to the New South Wales government. Uh, there was that big controversy, of course, around the thought of a $25 million flagpole uh, that was going yeah. to be erected there on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and they've uh, yeah. it looks like they've ditched that idea, but the big loser in that is the New South Wales state flag. Uh, so there's a certain sense in which you might say, wouldn't you just put up an extra flagpole, but then the cost of that was so exorbitant, uh, you might understand why they might not have done that. Um, well, that's I, right. Now, I reckon that $25 million should be put into New South Wales rugby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, is there a message that you're sending on to the New South Wales Premier around the flag? What are you saying? You've sent off something already? Yeah, look, we've got a campaign going, Neil, and we're asking people, especially New South Wales people, obviously, look, send a message to the Premier. Please don't compromise on your values, on your beliefs, and try and avoid this identity politics we're all people under, you know, one people under God. We're all New South Wales people. As I said, whether you're black or white, whether you're, you know, Buddhist or Christian, we're all one people. So let's stick to what we are and not try and put wokeism ahead of our real beliefs and, uh, and you know, ethics now. So we've got a campaign. Just go to our website and uh, send a message to the Premier. Okay, and it's not about uh, whether you think the Aboriginal flag is a good thing or not. Uh, it's flying it there alongside the Australian flag creates a identity politics uh, and uh, an issue there that is, in fact, uh, seen by so many as a divisive thing for the nation, not something that unites a nation. Hey, let's move Sorry, on. Sorry, Neil, I just want to interrupt. It's not, not alongside. In this case, it's replacing it. Okay, so replacing the New South that's Wales it. state flag. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. That's the real issue, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Mission to Seafarers. You've got a really close association with them. They had a special service last Sunday, and it's a day uh, that is uh, that ob- observed internationally. Uh, we've spoken about mm-hmm. the Mission to Seafarers before. It's an amazing organisation you're a part of there. Yeah, I wanted to just sort of 
highlight the fact that we had a wonderful um, uh, service at uh, St Andrew's Cathedral here in Sydney, the Anglican Church, the pinnacle of the Sydney Anglican Church. I guess it's a wonderful, beautiful-looking church, Neil, really, and I was part of part of the service, and I was pleased to be because, you know, seafarers is a fairly, you know, if, if you look at the Bible, Neil, you, you know, the the Bible is all throughout, you know, referring to the oceans, to the seas, and in particular, I, I was looking at Psalm 107 uh, last Sunday as well, where, you know, sailors actually see the real works of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and, and of God that created. But one thing I also came across, and I need to be aware of this as well, that when I was reading Revelations, you know that if you look at the new heavens and the new earth, it's actually not going to be in the oceans in, in heaven, I believe. If I'm reading it correctly, um, you can correct me if you like, but yep. that worries me because I love fly fishing, I love sailing, and uh, so I'm going to have to review this Revelations again and reread it to make sure I've got the right interpretation. But it is what it is now. But, but really, see for us are such a contribution to our society. And they're away from home, their mum, their, their families, for months on end. And I think, you know, Neil, we need to give the due respect, which we did at a wonderful church service at Thirteen Andrews Cathedral on Sunday, Neil. And uh, from what I remember, there's something like one and a half million seafarers who are on the oceans of the world. And they arrive in ports all around the world and they've gone through oftentimes lengthy periods at sea under the threat of piracy, shipwreck, abandonment, the isolation, those things ever present. And so when there is a mission to seafarers, a mission organisation coordinated by the Christian church, there's a ministry opportunity there to more than a million people. Absolutely, and you know, as I said, I'm a chaplain, as you know, but we've got three full-time chaplains at the Sydney Mission for Seafarers, and they're out there almost, uh, you know, 24-7 looking after seafarers who come in from the ships because they're, you know, they're lonely, they haven't spoken to their family, they need basic goods like toothpaste or clothing, and we provide all that for them, Neil. We make sure that uh, they get all that, but on top of that, we give them also spiritual pastoral care as well, and we we have prayer groups for them, but can I just read out a quick prayer, if I may, Neil, that we have for sure. Sunday, that I think maybe may sort of get the message across, and I'll, 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 I'll quote it in, in, in verbatim, Neil. Yep. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your creation and all the beauty in this world. Thank you for the ocean in its abundance and for the people who toil on its surface. Without our brothers and sisters who are seafarers, we would not be able to enjoy all the blessings of this world. And fold them in your fatherly love, guide their passage through storm, swell and darkness. May we always be mindful of our global family and be truly grateful for the sacrifices seafarers make each day. Amen. Now, that's a wonderful prayer, Neil, that sort of encapsulates how we feel uh, about seafarers doing the work that they do. And as I said, it's very biblical, Neil. You know, oceans are mentioned right throughout the Bible, and uh, so it has a real significance for us as Christians now. It's called Mission to Seafarers, and for listeners who want to connect, uh, just simply Google Mission to Seafarers and your capital city, and uh, no doubt you'll find a connecting point there. Hey, you've got another webinar coming up at uh, the end of the month, uh, coming up actually not midway through the month, uh, next Tuesday, the 19th, with Warwick Fairfax. Uh, he wrote a book called Crucible Leadership. 
he was our guest on this program a little while back, and uh, you're going to have him on a webinar, but uh, you've been really captivated by the sorts of things he's sharing in his book. Yeah, Neil, I'm going to interview him one-on-one on, on, on Tuesday night at 8 p.m., so please register. But, Neil, it really has moved me, because as I was reading the book, you know, this is about leadership, whether it's at your home, at work or at your church. And what Wallace Fairfax points out in this book is that everybody has at some stage in their life a crucible moment, a moment where, you know, it makes a profound effect on your life, on your, uh, on your you know, on your family, on your work, whatever it might be, but everybody has a crucible leadership moment. Now, in the case of Warwick, and you would know this, but I just want to point out, now, how, how important would this be that, the Fairfax name has been iconic in Australian business for what, the medium, 1841. Now, Warwick had a brutal public fall when he, at, the, at the age of 26 in 1987 when he tried to make a bid of $2.25 billion, a bid of a takeover bid for all the Fairfax shares. Now, Neil, three years later, in 1990, the multi-billion dollar five-generation Fairfax company was bankrupt and no longer in the hands of the Fairfax family. So that was his crucible moment, Neil. And it's fascinating how he then goes on to say something's wrong and how he had a crucible moment. So the book really, nearly my view, changed my life a lot in, in terms of how I think of it because, quite frankly, it's, it's all about God, faith, leadership and trust in our Lord. And, uh, Neil, I think, you know, it's well worth the read and well worth listening on Tuesday night. I think anyone who has been through a failure or two, and sometimes our failures are insignificant and other times they're monumental mm. failures. And uh, just because we've gone through a failure doesn't mean that we are cast down forever. Uh, we are able to get up onto our feet again and uh, continue yeah. on. And we're, Warwick Fairfax is a wonderful testimony of that. And as you say, uh, the Fairfax name lives on uh, in different streams, but uh, a family mm. that has shaped uh, the nation of Australia and even the story of Warwick and uh, losing the family company, that actually has some significant lessons in it. That coming up yeah. next Tuesday, 19th of July. You have to register for that on your website, don't you? Absolutely. Please register. It's free. Oh, as, as usual, just go to our events page. Because what this is going to tell you, Neil, is that you know the crucible event Warwick went through is all about your identity, your vision, and most of all, it's about your faith. Now, you would know Peter Jensen, the former Sydney Anglican Archbishop. He wrote about this book that despite his failure, that's Warwick's failure, he was sustained by his faith in God. Now, Neil, that is wonderful. And it, it reflected on me now how I, as a leader in my ministry, in my family, in my church, and, and in, in my public life, what am I doing to make sure that you know, my faith in God continues to keep me going. Because I'm open to criticism all the time, whether it's at home or whether it's at work or whether, indeed, in the public arena. And also, let's have a look at what Warwick's got to say. Read the book if you can, but certainly tune in on uh, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. 
Lots of us find ourselves in a crucible, and that, you know, typically means, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, being in a laboratory and there's a crucible and there's a, a burner underneath yeah. and things are getting hot. I mean, uh, yeah, going through the tough times of your life and being sustained by faith in Christ. Uh, so familyvoice.org.au to register to be part of that webinar next Tuesday night. Greg Bondar. Uh, always great and valuable insights. Greg is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Oh, thank you for the opportunity again, Neil, and God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.